guys. Live and underway here on ESPN Plus, just about 8.30 here on the East Coast, 5.30 out west. Alongside Hercules Gomez, I'm Sebi Salazar. Herc, never, never have I been happier to see your face uh, after my month of parental leave. Amazing. <laughs> Glad to be back, brother. How you doing over there? Did you miss me? I don't know who's happier that you're here, uh -huh. if it's uh, us or, or your wife. But either way, we are excited. <laughs> or young Rafa. Or, or young, young Rafa finally young got rid of his Rafael. dad. Bienvenido, mm -hmm. my friend. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. know, you. we missed you. We loved you. I What's it feel like? How's it, how's it going? Oh, man. Uh, our viewers will not be surprised. My kid is not quiet. He's loud, <laughs> and he's always loud. So sleep has been tough to get, but uh, lots of love for young Rafa. Uh, shout out to Grandma Abuelita Milagros, who's watching right now, helping take care while I'm not home. Uh, Keely as well. And Herc, for you, how about this? Wow. I came, back, I came back with some game. San Diego Soccer's Lords of Indoor. Uh, and what do you got there, Angel City FC? Very That's cool. right. I got Angel City, and uh, underneath my man, uh, Nick Romando, has been providing us with the goal. Yeah, that's the little Kaya, wow. little dirty bird. Okay. Yes, uh, Nick Romando, very active on Twitter, by the way. Uh, we should get him on the show sometime. Cool. So what do we see off the top there? Uh, my we old roommate. See Your old roommate. Wow, what a one small co world. One Copa Oro. We were roommates. Okay. Me and Loco. Me and Loco. Uh, coming up, we've got part two of our interview with Christian Pulisic. Actually, Graham Hunter's interview with Christian Pulisic. Correct. We'll react to that. We'll also check in on the U.S. team. They're currently hurt down in camp right now in Orlando ahead of the game Friday against Granada. We got a weekend of Clásicos down in Liga MX to recap, plus a kit leak, Herc. We might have an idea of what the U.S. women will be wearing at the World Cup later this year. But let's start... Of all places, Herc, in the Eredivisie, which of course you can see here on ESPN+. Plus. Why? Because we had a huge game. Ajax second hosting Feyenoord, the league leaders, who had a three-point cushion. We had three Mexican internationals featuring as starters in this one. And five minutes in, Santiago Jimenez with the goal. El Bebote! This is a good ball in. A really, really good finish. One-time finish. Gets it by and then, yes, goes and celebrates. I mentioned three Mexican internationals, not just Santiago Jimenez, Edson Alvarez, Jorge Sanchez starting for Ajax, and Edson gets the equalizer a few minutes later. Anything you can do, I can do better. What's this off the set piece, Edson Alvarez, his specialty, the specialty of the house, El Kaiser. Look at that, 1-1. One, one. 38th minute, Ajax. Gonna grab the lead. Dusan Tadic. Makes it 2-1. Ah, uh, this is a ridiculous finish. It's in between two players. Both players are diving for the ball. He gets good contact, squeaks on by. And Ajax in pole position. Second half. Feyenoord gonna find an equalizer. Sebastian Szymanski makes it 2-2. What happened to Edson there? Ah, Edson slipped. That's not his fault. It's a good ball in right there. And the goalkeeper can't do anything about it. Feyenoord would get their game winner. Here through to the big fella, hammers home to make it 3-2. They open up a six-point lead. Let's hear from Mexicans on both sides of the Clasicare. Todos eh, somos un gran equipo, una gran familia que nunca pensó en los 18 años ni mucho menos. Cada uno de los jugadores quiere hacer historia acá en el club 
y no nos sentimos campeones ni mucho menos. Entonces tenemos que seguir centrados, quedan creo que ocho partidos por jugar y tenemos, son una final. Y la verdad eh, yo me siento un privilegiado de, de estar aquí en Feyenoord. No, triste no por, por el resultado eh, y a la vez contento de, del tema que fuimos a, vinimos a buscar el partido peleando hasta el tope, hay cosas que tenemos que mejorar como equipo, individualmente tenemos que mejorar mucho, muchas cosas. So as we mentioned, that game featured three of Mexico's best young talents. Who do you think Diego Coca should build his team around? This isn't even close. It's Santiago Jimenez. Santiago Jimenez is 21 years of age. Let me give you a refresher of what Santiago Jimenez's last calendar year has been like on the soccer field. Five goals for Cruz Azul in five games. He leaves Liga MX as the Golden Boot leader. Tries his luck before the World Cup. In Europe, thinking that may somehow get him on the list. It should have. Mm. It doesn't. He scored his eighth goal in the Eredivisie last night. He's got uh, five Europa League goals, only one less than Marcus Rashford. Yes, that Marcus Rashford, one of the hottest players in the world right now, two cup goals. That's a whopping 20 goals in a calendar year for a 21-year-old that's not even been a regular starter, Sebi, and he keeps getting better. This is the player that should have been on that flight to Qatar, a player that you should have already been building to 2026, now has to be the pillar of the team. Now has to be the face of that roster, and now has to be your starting nine. Hmm. Interesting here. You mentioned the uh, the eight goals in the league, 15 all comps, and then you added the uh, the five there to get to your total of 20. It has been quite interesting because he's done it in different competitions. He survived the move to Europe, which we know can be very difficult. Herc, I'm going to agree with you here, though. There are some other options. What I'm seeing from Santi Jimenez, which I really like, and I watched this game on the weekend, is he is... Aside from the goals, which you have to get, he is physically dominant. Like, he looks like Shaq posting up a 5'7 a, a guard sometimes. I know the Eredivisie isn't the, the best league when you talk about defenses, but that's something I don't remember seeing from Jimenez as much of when he was at Cruz Azul, right? Maybe I'm being a little prisoner of the moment right now, but I would love, love, love to see him be the piece that Diego Coca builds around. The other options for me, I think Edson's a player you could talk about. If you go line by line, you could maybe build the midfield around him. Cesar Montes, maybe you should consider building the, the back line against him, uh, around him, sorry. But if you're talking about attack, the only other option is Chucky Lozano, Herc. But I would make the argument that really, since his injury in the Gold Cup a couple years ago, Chucky Lozano stopped being the guy. He could be a guy, but he couldn't really be the guy. Before that injury, when he was Mexico's only goal threat, he was still dangerous. Now when he's Mexico's only goal threat, it looks like everybody knows that that's the case. They hammer him. They shut him down. I think he needs somebody like Jimenez to bring the best out of Chucky. Well, you spoke about Santiago Jimenez and the things that he can do because of his physical traits, the intangibles that come with them. He's a big boy. That's the reason. There's a reason they call him El Bebote. He's a big boy, and not only with that big frame comes the blazing speed that he has. We were here in Los Angeles in the MLS versus Liga Mekis All-Star game. There was a play where he just pushed it long over Walker Zimmerman, and it wasn't even close. It got awful ugly. Uh, he didn't score that play, but you got a close-up glimpse of just how fast he is, and he's a goal scorer. So take the traits you already have in those nines. Raul Jimenez's ability to bring others in. Santi Jimenez has proven he can do that as well, but he's got that goal scorer's mentality with those physical traits. And Chucky Lozano... 
You're right. It's been a good two years since we really said Chucky Lozano is one, a consistent threat for his team off the bench, starting, whatever the case may be, club-wise, and also with the Mexican national team. He's been that dull as of late. Mm, yeah. My only doubt here would be if you do make it about Santiago Jimenez, you're obviously you know, reducing the role that Henry Martin is going to have. You and, and Mao had a heated debate about who should be, be the starting nine. I love Henry Martin. You know that. How old is Henry? I think he'd be a great number two. I think it's a role he, he played at America a little bit unhappily, but he didn't blow up the locker room. I think he's, a, he's like a perfect number two for the national team. Keep him in that role, but to your point about age, build around the younger guy. Don't, don't build around the older guy. Come on. 2026 oh. is the main goal. 2026. Thank you, Tata. This team is now behind the eight ball. Eredivisie on ESPN+. Plus. So is the FA Cup hurt. Fulham. Full America taking on Manchester United in the quarterfinals. Anthony Robinson in the starting 11. So was Tim Ream. Second half, scoreless. Anthony Robinson with a chance saved by David De Gea. Yeah, good shot by Anthony Robinson. William, you got to pull the trigger sooner. Give it away. Fulham corner kick two minutes later. Alexander Mitrovic makes it 1-0. Yeah, and this is when you think everything's going in Fulham's favor. This is exactly what you need. This is exactly how you change things. New Fulham, new age. It almost seems like there's some foreshadowing there from you, Herc. And this is why. 70th minute. Manchester United on the attack. Anthony, the shots. Whoa, 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 Sancho. That's a handball. Oh, Jaden Sancho. Sorry, it's Jaden Sancho. And then William comes across. Uh, and call for the handball. Yeah, he regrets it. Oh, don't touch him. What are you doing, my man? Uh, Mitrovic sent off as well in all that. Bruno Fernandez steps up to convert the penalty. Excuse and you. it's 1-1. Excuse you. Bruno Fernandez. Sorry, more sorry. Respect. Where's Derek Ray when you need him? Two minutes later, Luke Shaw. Savitzer, 2-1. Shaberto Carlos. Savitzer, he's so hot right now. Look at that. Here's Tim Ream after the defeat. Yeah, after 70 minutes, we, um, we were very good. We, you know, moved the ball, controlled large parts of the game. Um, had a had a good number of chances in, in the first half. Uh, scored a scored a good goal in, in the second, and um, you know we're we're playing very very well and, and very in control. Um, and then everything else happens. Yeah. And what's your view on everything else that happened? It's difficult. I mean, we've we've seen uh, the the replays, we've seen stills, and it's it's hard to understand. You've seen them not given, and and you've seen them given, and um, unfortunately for us, it's it's given today. Um, you know, for to to come away with with nothing and, and not be moving on is is hard to take. All right, so Fulham's FA Cup run comes to an end. The FA Cup semi-final draw gives us these matchups for games on April twenty. Second uh, and 23rd, Manchester United will face Brighton. Manchester City will face Sheffield United out of the championship. Uh, all those games, of course, on ESPN+. Plus. Let's run it back, Herc, U.S. style. Going to start in Belgium. Brian Reynolds, who's in the U.S. camp, with an assist for Westerloo in a 2-1 win. Yeah, look at the first part of this. He, he, tactically, he gets it wrong. This is maybe something that's been a knock on Brian Reynolds, but he's got these crazy intangibles going forward. Physically, he's vertical. And then the ball whipped in. Just a splendid ball. This is half the goal right here. All the advantage for the attacker in the world, and what a ridiculous finish. Fifth assist of the season for Reynolds, who, of course, is still on loan from Roma. 
Zach Steffen also back in camp. Three saves and a clean sheet for Middlesbrough as they won 4-0 against Preston Herc. Sevy, that's nine clean, she clean sheets excuse me, now for Zach Steffen. Their third place, three points out of direct promotion in the championship. There you have it. Zach Steffen back with the U.S. men's national team after being denied his opportunity at the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. And as you mentioned, Herc Burrow charging up the table, perhaps a shot at the Premier League next season. You've heard this name before. He's not in camp, though. Malik Tillman, eighth league goal of the season for Rangers. Okay, say what you will about the Scottish Premier League. And you are the one the that's level. always saying things about the Scottish League. I just said, say what you will. That is 10 in all competitions. You got to score goals when you can score them. You got to give assists when you can give them. Malik Tillman continues to do that, coming back from injury. Yep. 4-2 win for Rangers on Saturday. Polarin Balogun, 17th goal of the season, Herc, for Rams as they lost a 2-1 against Olympique Marseille. I just want to remind everybody, New York born, and I want to remind the producer, Arsenal Loney. Did you hear mm. that, producer? Mm. Arsenal Loney. Speaking of Arsenal, you know who scored twice in this game? Alexis Sanchez. Who? Exactly. Blast from the past uh, for Olympique Marseille. Uh, as Balogun's team ended up on the losing side, still plenty of history here. He becomes, her, get this, the youngest player to score at least 17 goals in a league-owned season since 1956. Quick math, 67 years, is that right? So not just a good player, a historic player. Yeah, these millennials love their statistics. Hmm. Related news. England are having an injury crisis to start their international break. Both Marcus Rashford and Mason Mount have been ruled out injured. See what I'm getting at here, right? A couple attacking players. Many thought Gareth Southgate would call in some replacements. Potentially Balogun, who of course is eligible for England, the United States, and Nigeria. In the end though, Southgate leaving his squad as it is and leaving Balogun's international future in the air a bit longer. So Herc, it's the latest development in the Balogun sweepstakes. Is this something, nothing, or everything for the U.S. pursuit of their potential future number nine? It's something. Uh, Fullerene Balogun is still with the U21s, the English U21s, uh, mind you. But if we go down the depth chart of this current roster and the makeup of this roster, I'm looking at a few names you would expect on there, right? Foden, Jack Grealish, you got Harry Kane, Saka, and then there's Ivan Tony. Ivan Tony, who's, I believe, what, right now, 29 years old? No, 27 years old, okay, behind Harry Kane. Great, great season at Brentford. Nobody's taken that away from him. But if you're looking to build to the future, nobody is moving Harry Kane. He is historic with the English national team. If you're looking to build for the future, what Gareth Southgate right now is doing is he is putting the final nail in the coffin in the eyes of many Mm. Many people, pundits and fans, that will ultimately drive following Balogun to the U.S. men's national team and those loving arms. A player who's 21 years of age, top five league, scoring goals for fun, mm. a record breaker, and continues on pace to fight guys like Kylian Mbappe, rivaling the statistics of players like Erling Haaland, I don't care if you're England, you're Brazil, or if you're U.S. men's national team. This is a player worth following, and this may be something that drives this player away. I think it's closer to everything than nothing here. 
right? Because it feels like this is trending in the right direction. Uh, I don't know if you saw, there was an interview he did with the BBC recently. Oh, I watch all the time. Of course, of course, I know you do. You called them out in the World Cup for their coverage, some might remember. I think you were actually talking about somebody else, but you talked about the BBC. Uh, anyway, Balogun said that he hasn't heard anything from Nigeria, so it doesn't seem like Nigeria's particularly interested. And generally... Oh, you're her, not moving Victor Osimhen, I mean... No, and, and, but that's the thing. It's, it's Kane for England, it's Osimhen, it's Yanacho. I mean, there's a, a, two or three guys you got to really think about for Nigeria. So if, if you're talking about playing time, very clearly the case is, is for the United States, right? And we just saw from his Instagram, he's a guy that wants to be appreciated. But there seems to be kind of a lukewarm response in general from English football uh, to this player, Herc. And that's say very it. curious say for it, me. Sebi. Because say he's it. an well, he's a, he's an Arsenal product, right? He's an Arsenal product. He's played a ton for the English youth national teams. They know exactly what he is. And yet not only is is Gareth Southgate not taking this opportunity to lock down a player that they know they're competing for, but Arsenal had a chance over the winter to, to bring him back on loan when Gabriel Jesus got hurt. They didn't do it. If you look at the, the clubs that are linked to him now, it's not a lot of Premier League teams. It's teams like Bayern Munich. It's teams like AC Milan. So it seems like generally we're obsessed with this player and nobody in England cares. And if we go off his Instagram post, which I know is just an Instagram post, but, but it tells you it's a guy who wants to be appreciated. It sounds to me like in terms of appreciation, it's U.S. and then way down the list, everybody else. We really want him. I think you got to ask if England and Nigeria do. I'm not saying it's the same thing, but this is awfully a lot like another player who had ties to Arsenal, who had ties to multiple national mm. teams, and ended up choosing the U.S. men's national team. I wonder and if they're friends, the, the, the guys you, you're You met. think they're friends? Mm -hmm. You think they're friends? You <laughs> Eunice Musa, of course. You think these people talk? You think these players talk? But is it because it's not just Eunice Musa. There, there are other players in the U.S. men's national team that are friends with the gun, that talk to Balogun. There are other players who know what this is about and other players who may be involved in a recruitment process. So this, everything plays, everything plays. Right, plus Anthony Hudson, he's call, he doesn't even call, he calls him Flo. Like, they're boys. So, I mean, read the team. I, I need somebody to figure out team. Anthony Hudson's burner. Because I, 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 I <laughs> he's, he's got a Twitter burner account. I know, I know, I know. Okay, uh, before we get to burner accounts, let's run it back some more. We've got some more to get to. Uh, back to Belgium, actually, where we find 24-year-old American Marlon Fossey with a goal for Standard Liège, Memo Chozo team. Yeah, do not do this if you score your goals. Please, what? I don't care who you are. Do not do this. You know, You're this just jealous gonna... you can't do it. You could never do that. I, I could do it easily. But don't ah, do sure. it. Because you know how many times I've seen players get injured for, for, for literally celebrating a goal? Come on. Dude scores a goal. By the way, LA, let's go. And you're worried about the LA. celebration. Go, Old LA. man alert. Old man yelling at clouds. Alex Mendez, his second league assist of the season in Portugal for Vizela as they won 1-0 over Porti Say it again, Vizela. Say it again. Vizela. Vizela. Uh, comes off the bench, gets his second assist of the season. Good for him. He needs to keep it going. Another Mexican-American doing big things. Uh, running back, not just for players, coaches as well. American Pellegrino Matarazzo gets his first win since taking over at Hoffenheim in the Bundesliga. They beat Hertha Berlin 3-1 over the weekend. A big result. Pulls them up to 15th and out of the relegation zone. By the way, John Brooks played the full 90 in this game against his former First team. win since October, Seb. 14 straight games. More from the uh, Bundesliga. Paxton Aronson, a recent guest on the show, making his league debut for Eintracht Frankfurt, Herc. Okay, I did the math. 
-hmm. He played a total of 13 minutes with stoppage time. Okay. Four for four in passing. Congratulations on the debut. It was pretty cool to see him come on. And I believe it came on for Mario Gotze. Correct, 82nd minute. Uh, Jordan Peefock also played in that game. Started for Union Berlin, who won 2-0, but couldn't find the back of the net. Union Berlin, by the way, third. Who are they chasing? Well, the two teams that you will see on Saturday, April 1st, on ABC. It's Der Klassiker in the Bundesliga. Bayern Munich against Borussia Dortmund on ABC after the international break. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, to the Premier League. Her Christian Pulisic back in the Chelsea starting 11 for the first time in two months after that knee injury. Pairing with Kai Havertz and Joao Felix and scored a goal in the 56th minute, but it's called back for offside. Yeah, Joao Felix is in an offside position right here. Offside, good little back heel, but watch the touch on his left foot. Finds the space. Goalkeeper can't do anything about it. It's a ridiculous finish. All for not, though. Comes off 62 minutes. Round of applause from the faithful. Yeah, Stamford Bridge giving Solid. him some love there after a, a good 62 minutes outing. Unfortunately for Chelsea, it ends in a 2-2 draw against Everton as we take a look at Pulisic's heat map. Chelsea right now 10th in the table, 11 points out of the top four. For more on Christian Pulisic, here's part two of his interview, Graham Hunter. I look at your coach, who's now out of contract, Greg Berhalter, and I, and I think to have gone through to a knockout stage, to have won two tournaments, winning is, winning is why you work hard every day. Winning is why you, you can't go skiing. Winning is why you live in a disciplined way and eat carefully and, and dream about how can I improve myself. And Berhalter is a winning coach to two tournaments. That's a rarity, in my opinion. Yeah, first of all, before we talk about his current situation, which is a candidate to, to continue, a candidate amongst others, please explain properly about Berhalter, the coach, what you've seen while he made the U.S. men's team a, a winning unit. Mm -hmm. So I would say uh, Greg Berhalter is someone who has grown a lot on me over the years. I think... I've learned a lot from him. Um, I think I've grown so much as a player. I think it's underappreciated what, <clears throat> excuse me, what he's done to create that environment that I was talking about that was so special within that team. I think he's, I think he's helped a lot of players improve in a lot of ways. I think he's, I think he's very passionate about the sport. I think 
he's done some incredible things, I have to say, um, in a short amount of time where there were times, there were moments when, when he benched me and I wanted to kill the guy. I was, I was, you know, I was hated him. I was so angry, but then next game comes along and then I find myself in a better place. And, and the way he handled a lot of situations, I, I have to give him, I have to give him a lot of credit. I think he created a, a team that not only, um, was, you know, probably the best brotherhood family that I've, you know, unit that I've been a part of, but also on the football side of things, when it came down to it in a world cup time, I think, I think you could say a lot of people were impressed with, with what we did out on the field as well. So I will say that. I, th I think, I imagine that from, if you compare what Greg had to do, any international coach has to do, compared to the day-to-day -day work on a training ground at a club, where you can mould players, where if you're hammering a message into a group of players, you can do it almost every damn day, and really you should see results. When you get a group of international players spread across the world together, rarely, and almost always with a massive incentive, this US men's team has to win all the time, to do the things that you've talked about, to create a brotherhood, to, to change standards, and you specifically said that you'd seen him improving certain players, that's a hard task if you only see players irregularly, and therefore I argue that what you've said there speaks very highly of him. 100%. I think um, that's what makes the, these national team tournaments so special as well, because everyone is sort of in that same boat. You know, when you're at a club level, you're able to work on things daily, month after month and game after game all season long. And um, when you come to the national team, it's, it's not so simple. But I think uh, I think he did a good job of, of really, you know, showing the team and, and helping everyone to understand, look, this is how we're going to play in, in a short period of time. And is it going to be perfect? Of course not. No national team is. Look at Argentina lost their first match. It's it's things, you know, that, you know, tough moments are, are going to come. And, and we had some of those. But at the end of the day, like you said, um, yeah, he was a winner. And uh, of course, we would have we wanted to go further. I'm not I'm not I'm not here to say at all that we're satisfied with where we got in the tournament. We had a big milestone we passed. We got out of the group stage and we wanted to go all the way. There's no doubt about it. Um, but like I said, we learned from that moment um, and uh, here we are now. Greg, uh, maybe one last one as a coach. You can speak well about the things where he's changed you or helped you or how now looking back you think, well, I didn't like being benched. Or I didn't like somebody else being captain, but mm -hmm. retrospectively, I can see where he was going or it hasn't done me any harm. Can you be more detailed about where now you like traits about either how he communicates or how he analyzes opponents, where he plays you on the pitch? What, how can you draw in details to the, to the picture you're... Yeah, I'd say the best example I could give you is, is I think my first camp with him. Um, you know, I, I think, we, 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 I'll never forget this. We played a game against Chile. It might've been a friendly, I'm not even sure. Um, but I remember I scored in the first half, scored a great goal, um, and then I, I picked up a little injury, and, and right after I went to the hospital to get a scan, anything, and I came back, and late at night, um, you know, he calls me down to his office and says, look, like, I, you know, if, if, and this was after I had kind of a string of small injuries, and he said, look, maybe, maybe a reason is, uh, maybe the, you need to train harder. You need to train more like you play. And I'm thinking after I just scored a goal, I'm thinking, who, who's this guy to tell me this and, and, who's, who, and what is that? And uh, that's a moment that stuck with me for a long time because it changed the way I, it changed the way I, I look at training even today. And I, I want to train like I play. 
and 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 I and, and listen, it wasn't easy, and it took me a little while. But I, I said, you know what, you know, let me let me take this on board, and uh, and since then, I, I I've been in a much better place. So. Um, it, it's it's things like that. Um, it's just it's it's the way that um, yeah the way that the way that he deals with players is uh, he he you can tell he's passionate and he cares about his players. He's, he's gonna he's not gonna tell you it easy or what you want to hear. He's gonna tell you what what he feels is gonna is gonna improve you. All right, Herc. So even more effusive praise for Greg Berhalter from Christian Pulisic. Of course, you and Mal were talking about this interview last week. It seems pretty clear to me from what I heard of the show, that Polisic's words don't change what you think about Greg Berhalter moving forward, right? Whether he should come back or not. However, does it at all change your perspective? Because you were one of Berhalter's biggest critics as far as what Berhalter did while he was in charge from 2019 through the last World Cup. Doesn't change my perspective? Yeah. Hearing from one of the leaders of the national team telling you how good a manager, and specifically in this case, a man manager, which is something we both have criticized a lot of Greg Berhalter, mm-hmm. he was for Polisic. Well, we didn't criticize his man management. We criticized his in-game management. In, in fact... We've been doing this show for two years. I'm pretty sure we criticized everything well, Greg Berhalter well, did other, than, I know you're other excited. than his shoes. I know you're excited, but listen. In fact, we praised his man management in certain things. Mm-hmm. The way that he was able to handle Weston McKinney and not let it get out of hand when many player or many people, excuse me, and pundits wanted to kick Weston McKinney off the team, mm-hmm. including yourself and Taylor Twoman, what happened? He said, "Don't put words into my mouth. I didn't say kick him off the team. I thought there should have been a much harsher punishment." Yes. Well, we could roll back the tape. People, yeah, say, let's do it. Okay, we could do that. What did he you say? You want to make a bet? You want to make up? You want to make a bet? You're excited. Relax. I know. No, you're no, let's make a bet. bet if you're so confident. I said it. Let me finish uh, okay. what I'm going to say. Then don't okay? say it. Okay. Correct. He settled everything down. He advanced from that. His player management, recruitment, we've also praised that. His in-game management, tactically, a lot to be desired. He's a coach that got everything wrong in the first half, second half adjustments in World Cup qualifying, got it right. And then flip-flop during the World Cup, got everything right in the first half, second half adjustments, let him down, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, there is that to it. But I understand why Christian Pulisic feels this type of way with Greg Berhalter. Christian Pulisic right now, the next coach comes in, maybe he doesn't value or respect Christian as much as Greg Berhalter did. Maybe he doesn't have the same type of pull that he did with Greg Berhalter. He's a leader right here because it was also Christian Pulisic who said, we don't need new guys coming in right now. We don't need to rock the boat this way. I'm paraphrasing now. There's a reason for it because he's comfortable in that and there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with him saying, I feel comfortable with Greg Berhalter. It doesn't mean it's the right decision. It doesn't mean that he'd be the right choice. Sure. I'm pretty surprised by how candid Christian Pulisic is uh, and how outspoken Herc he is on, on this particular topic because I'm sure Christian Pulisic can read the room. I'm sure he knows that Greg Berhalter, even before the Gio Reyna scandal and even before we found out about the domestic violence, was not popular among U.S. fans. So him coming out, doing an interview where he doesn't just kind of go to the, like, he goes to the wall for Greg Berhalter in this interview over and over and over. That's a very brave and I think different side of Christian Pulisic. Um, what I'm not so sure about, or, or, I, or maybe what I think is, is the most telling about his comments on Berhalter is how much, and remember we talked about this in Qatar, how much it flies in the face of some of the reporting that we saw about European players and what they think 
of Greg Berhalter. And, and specifically because I actually, during the World Cup, I remember we talked about it on the set, and I, I didn't let, like the line in the reporting somehow like didn't sit well with me. So I want to read it here to you. Not to question the athletics reporting, but I, I think this now carries much less weight than Christian Pulisic coming out in an interview and, and going to the wall for Burhalter. One source close to multiple players said Burhalter would face a major challenge in continuing to command respect from a group that is mostly playing in Europe. That's anonymous from, to me, one source close to multiple players. What I said back in Qatar, I'll say again, sounds like an agent. That carries to me a lot less weight than Christian Pulisic coming out and well, saying what he said. given everything we know now, right? Given everything we know now about Giovanni Reyna and who represents Giovanni Reyna and the comments from the agent following the saga and the report and the investigation of the report, I should say. So, yes, I agree it carries less weight, but this is one player's opinion. Mm -hmm. Listen, I was part of two but different... He's not just any player, Herc. He's not just any player. Well, he's the, me, he's the me, face of the me, team. Let me go. Okay. And fine. he's the guy who, if any European player... It's has the CD back. to look down at Greg it's Berhalter. It's Pulisic, and he's not doing it. It's very good to have you back. You ready? Can I talk? Mm -hmm. Can I finish? Adelante. Okay. I was part of two different regimes, okay, with the U.S. men's national team. Two very different coaches, Bob Bradley, Jurgen Klinsmann. I guarantee you, what it's out there in the press, half the time you have no idea what happens in the locker room. You have mm -hmm. no idea who really feels what about said coach. That's a reality. There are players, regardless of how successful, how great or not so great you think the coach may be, there are players who back the coach for different reasons. Excuse me. And then there are very high-profile players who couldn't care for said coach, but they say the political things when they need to. We're never going to really know how those players feel until Greg Berhalter is officially gone, until those players are probably retired. That's the way this goes. Christian Pulisic is talking how it affects Christian Pulisic. The same way when I played, I spoke about how it affected me. You could only speak for yourself. You don't speak for the group. Rule number one. Okay. Enough on Christian Pulisic, because we got more U.S. news. Uh, this isn't really the good news. This is the injury news. Tim Weah is out of camp after suffering a head injury uh, over the weekend Ooh. playing for Lille. The 23-year-old will be replaced on the roster by one of your favorites, Jordi Mihailovic, who's, of course, playing with Azed Alkmaar in the Eredivisie. But uh, Tim Weah, one of the stars of the World Cup for the U.S. men's national team, out of this camp, he is in concussion protocol. Meanwhile, oh, scary scenes there. Yeah, he's okay, though. Posted on his, uh, there he is. That's what you want to see. That's a smiling Tim Weah. Uh, pack of ice on his head. Meanwhile, U.S. training in Florida. As we mentioned, ahead of Friday's game against Granada. Also a few days removed from a trip to El Salvador. That's uh, on Monday. Daryl Dike and Alex Zendejas on the mic today. Let's hear from Zendejas on his decision to represent the United States over Mexico. Yeah, obviously uh, I spoke to my family about it almost every, every day or every week because I was getting calls from everywhere, but uh, in terms of that thing that you said about securing a spot, uh, I don't think you or, or anyone could be in the position to, to for someone to secure something to you. Uh, we have to work on that daily and uh, prove to people that we deserve the opportunity. So I don't know. Uh, it was it was a bunch of chaos that happened over there. Uh, people saying stuff that wasn't true. People saying that stuff that was true. But at the end of the day, I just. Uh, 
try not to focus on that. I try to focus on like my club team uh, playing well. And then at the end of the day, I uh, spoke to my family, and uh, we decided to to represent USA. Alejandro Sendejas, Alex Sendejas, of course, of uh, Club América. América taking on Chivas, a weekend of Clásicos down in Liga MX. Chivas hosting América. Pick this one up early because Las Aguilas were flying. Diego Valdez there off the crossbar. Jonathan Rodriguez causing them tons of fits all day. And here it is, Sebi. What is this versus Tigres again? That is a replica of last week versus Tigres off the post and in. Nice little through ball. Diego Valdez in step. Beats El Guacho Jimenez. El Al Guacho is going to go by me, Jimenez. Cabecita. Jonathan Rodriguez making it 1 0. 2 0 in the 38. America soaring. Yeah, just, uh, just as important as the goal was the ball right here by Henry Martin. The delicate little touch, then finished by Jonathan Rodriguez, who was a menace all night. America, more. 42nd minute. The third coming. Oh, please yes. tell me. Please Leo tell Suarez me. hammers it home. There's the angle I wanted. Look at this. Yes. The sweet little just volley. Nothing you can do about that. Leo Suarez, two for two. Alexis Vega. Back from injury, coming on at halftime because it was 3 0. Chivas needed him. 52nd minute. Emilio Lara, the cross. 4 0. I, I mean, optional defending, our boy Alejandro Moreno would say. Off the bounce, wasn't even the greatest ball in. Hell of a finish. 62nd minute. Alan Mosso, the cross. Lara this time, an own goal, 4-1. Yeah, if there's a weak spot in that defensive line this night, it was Lara. Lara scoring well, now four goals, five goals. Club America. Chivas would score a goal in their, in their own right. There it was. Their yeah. second as uh, this one finishes 4-2. to two. Pocho Usman there, uh, seeing red at the end of the game as America wins 4-2. All right, let's attack this one from the Chivas perspective first, Herc. Is this a fluke result or proof of who Chivas really are? This is going to hurt you, Seb, but... Me? This is Chivas coming back to their reality. Well, you know what? No, I lied. Not even their reality because it drops them to seventh. Their reality over the last eight years is... Average ninth place. That is their reality. Now, we can go back to the start of the season, game one, when they were thoroughly outplayed by Monterrey, yet it's Huacho Jimenez, who is the man of the night, man of the hour, comes up big time and time again, and they win. Monterrey's only loss of the season, but it's been that type of Chivas play all season. To my count, four, if not five games where they should have lost points, and they didn't, and they were winning, which you could say is fine, but they weren't convincing. It was Wacho Jimenez's time or it was Victor Guzman's time. That's it. They've not convinced America in the best season that Chivas has had in recent history brings them back not only to reality, yeah. but to earth. Yeah. This is who Chivas is right now. We saw it in that first in that first half. They were lucky this game didn't get away from them and it ended up being yeah. a six seven zero scoreline. Yeah. Uh, you can use the term reality check. Uh, I like what you said there, though. I think they didn't come back to Earth. They crashed back to Earth. Because this, for me, isn't the best version of America. We can get to that a little bit later. But this shouldn't have really been a surprise, Herc. Uh, as you mentioned, and you mentioned it all the freaking time on this show, anybody who has watched this show knows that Chivas over the last half decade is, is ninth, 
right? We know that they I average out to ninth that. place in the league. You know who else knew that this game was going to go this way? The odds makers. Now, you know in my parental leave, I've been keeping a close, a close eye on the lines for entertainment purposes only, right? Chivas, we're at home. Chivas have won more games in America this year. And Chivas were still underdogs. Yes. Okay? Chivas ahead of America on the table. They were still underdogs at home. The odds makers knew that America was a better team. And this, for me, tells you all you need to know about Chivas. Their ceiling, if, if, they, don't, if they don't make a run here and finish top four, and they still have a, a, a decent chance to do that, if they don't make top four, their ceiling's quarterfinals. Even if they make top four, best they can do is semifinals. Because the reality for Chivas, Herc, is this. When they play against better teams, the biggest spenders, and I know, I know producer Beto's going to get in my ear now and be like, they beat Tigres, and they did. And it's Monterrey. Tigres going through a wobble. They beat Rayados in week one, when you know anything can Wins happen. Wins a win. Okay. You, you just told me they were thoroughly outplayed, but yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, but you got to give and them credit for winning. And that was over 90 minutes. When you get to Ligue and you got to go 180 minutes against better teams that spend more, and you don't even have the best Mexican players... They're, they're, that's their sin. That's their reality. You know, they're, they're not a top four team. They're not. They're not a semifinalist unless they somehow edge into the top four. And I don't see that happening after this result. Seb, the worst part about this run is when they play Club America. It was technically the only team in the upper half of the table that they would face from here on out. Yeah. Same yeah. with Puebla. Puebla was a lower seeded team. They needed a. Losing to Puebla once again. They lose to Club America, and now they got to face city rivals, Atlas. It was, certainly will not be an easy game. The easiest part of their schedule, when they went through the hard part without one of their best yep. players, Alexis Vega, they did well. Now they're getting to that, hey, we should be coasting part of the schedule, and they're falling apart. That is the worst part. It's a good run-in for Chivas. Let's see if they can turn it, out, turn it around after this big defeat. All right, Herc, after a big game... There's always trash talk, okay? So here's what Henry Martin had to say post-game about what Victor Guzman of Chivas had to say before the match. Okay, yo creo que no hay que hablar antes de, de un partido. Eh, lo más importante es hablar dentro de la cancha y creo que hoy lo hicimos. Y bueno, que sigan buscando quién, quién se las paga. <laughs> Out. All right, a confident Henry Martin there, sealing all the headlines after his uh, big game against Chivas. He was also fined, Herc, for this celebration, a throwback to a famous Cuauhtémoc Blanco uh, celebration, of course, a Club América ídolo. Find what, a couple hundred thousand pesos, so like 10,000 bucks. Um, Herc, are you cool with Henry Martin's celebration? One, by the way, for which he did apologize. He had to apologize. I don't know if he had to apologize, but he felt like he should apologize. So he apologized after the game for this. Uh, are you cool with it, or do you think Henry Martin crossed the line? No, I, I'm cool with it. Um, there are a lot of pundits, and there, there are those out there who are saying this could incite violence, etc., uh, etc. Et Listen, <laughs> Henry Martin is paying homage to a legend, a, a Club America legend, which is Cuauhtémoc Blanco. We're going to see Cuauhtémoc Blanco do right Give him there. the history lesson to here. Felix Show him the history Hernandez, lesson. by the way. He also did it to uh, Atlas, uh, which was La Volpe's team, a, a coach that he very much disliked. But what you're doing here is you're endearing yourself 
to the public of America. You're entering legendary status if you're Henry Martin. The story of Henry Martin is unbelievable. It really is. A guy who was never the guy, who finally gets the opportunity and is coming into his own. Last year, 10 goals, scores against Real Madrid. Man City goes to the World Cup, scores a goal. This year, 11 goals, another four, five assists. He's got like 15, 16 goal participations. And he's entering top 10 goal scores in Club America's rich history. He really is joining that status. Does yeah. this to endear himself to the fans, he's on another level. And you can say what you want about how disrespectful it is and how it bothers some most. You know what bothers me the most is that there was no reaction from Chivas players. Mm. Not, not even a, a hard foot in, a hard leg in, a 50-50 tackle, and you hit him hard. Not even a push in the chest. Not even a, dude, what are you doing? Nothing. They sat back, they laid down, then mm. let it happen. That is worse than Henry Martin going and celebrating a goal. I'm cool with the celebration. I'm not cool with the fine, Herc. I don't think the celebration was uh, racist, sexist, problematic in any way. Is it crass? Is it, is it gross? Sure. But, I mean, are we that sensitive that we're not going to let a guy celebrate? And, by the way, this is what makes rivalries. This animosity, this anger, that the anger that Chivas fans will feel for being disrespected, that's what makes rivalries. Oh. If you have everybody shaking Producer hands after Beto a goal. Producer Beto says he feels taunted. Taunted? Ah, Producer Beto. You, can, you, I woke for away for a month, and now you're as sensitive as everybody else, Producer Beto. ¿Qué te pasó? What happened here? What happened? Okay, let's get to uh, another big Clásico over the weekend. El Clásico Regiomontano, Tigres against Rayados. I had the over in this one and would be summarily disappointed. Uh, pick this one up in the second half. Tigres with a chance. Gignac the shot, Andrada say. I, I don't like what production did here. Just skipped a whole lot of highlights. They want to make it seem like there were no highlights in this game. This is a golazo, by the way. Híjole. Can we please, can somebody please foul the man at half? Eliminate, <laughs> put the fire out, and look at this. This is ultimate respect for Noel Guzman. That's a golazo, please do I not I knew dive. you were going to love that. I knew you were going to love that. He didn't even move. Incredible goal from Luis Romo into stoppage time. Gignac with the chance. By the way, I also had Gignac to score in this game, so that made me bitter. Tigres, all sorts of chances late. Andrade, another big save. Israel's holding on. Yeah, they held on and they held on. Doesn't mean that they were going to lose. They, Tigres were outplayed, but Tigres had more than their fair share of chances. All right, so Rayados win one nothing. They sit atop the league. Herc, Rayados are first, Club América are second. Who's your favorite to win the Liga MX title? Ah, this is the worst possible question. Like, come I know, on. I know. You don't want to make me happy because you're a Club América hater, and you don't make Rayados fans happy because you're a Tigres fan. I don't believe either one of them is the favorite. But if I had to choose ah. between one of the two, listen, wait. If I had to choose between one of the two, okay, I'm taking Rayados. Rayados is currently number one in league play. They're going on a historic pace. They will most likely break the single season points record in Liga Amekis. They're eight points ahead of second place Club America, the most luxurious roster on paper. Nobody can even defy that. They've got just a plethora of offensive firepower. They got Rey Midas, who's a, a Manuel Vucetich, the head coach, excuse me, that he plays finals, he wins finals. That's his M.O. And you look at everybody else, nobody's even at the same moment. They've only lost once, just on paper, in real life. Nobody even comes close. Say what you will about Club America and how they turn things around. If I were to bet today, my money uh -huh. would go to Rayados. All right, so I'm going to pull the curtain back here on our production meeting. 
we, we, were, we were asked this question. Herc said, oh, I think Rayados, blah, 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 blah. And they still said, like, who do you think? And Herc said, don't even ask him. Don't even ask him. We already no, know who he's going to say. The producer said Don't that. even ask his question. The producer said, I don't even know why I'm asking you, Seb. Which, which, which is, makes me sad because it feels like nobody here at Football Americas truly knows me. Nobody really knows me. Because if you knew me, you know that I'm not the type of fan who doesn't see the warts in his team because he's a fan. If anything, Where do you have I'm warts? the type of fan who sees all the warts because of my fandom. I'm a pessimist, so uh, I would love to sit here, Hercules, and tell you that Club America are the favorites to win Liga Mekis. But as you well point out, with an eight-point gap to them and Rayados, I have to say, Rayados uh, are the favorite. But I'm going to focus my time here on Club America, why I'm, I'm not quite convinced. And I'm, you're going to love this, because I'm going to give you some credit here. Uh, there's still some injury issues. Alejandro Zendeja says you, I don't think we put it in the highlight, but he did come back. Came but he's been out for a while. We had Jonathan Dos Santos running the midfield, okay? I don't know if this is 2018, 2019, Played but that's well. certainly a, a concern well. for me. Okay, can he keep it up for a full season? Can he keep it up into Ligia? That's a question for me. The biggest question, though, Herc, is not in midfield, it's not up front, it's not in the back line. It's something you mentioned at the very beginning of the season, and what is now turned into a full on goalkeeping controversy. Listen, I know Malagón huh? was, was a, a little bit better. I do listen from time to time. A little bit better than, well, certainly Jimenez's most, most recent outings. Uh, but I think that's a big problem. Not just because there's a goalie controversy, and that can destabilize a team. But as you pointed out, it's a big drop from Memo, and before that, Marchesin, down to these guys. And I think if you're going to be the favorite to win Liga Mekis, you've got to have a standout goalie if you're Club América. They don't have that. I can't make them the favorite. Can I ask you real quick who's your favorite since you said it wasn't Rayados, though? Uh, Toluca. TST. Still, you're sticking with Toluca. Toluca San Germán. Okay, very well. Elsewhere in Liga Mekis, Herc. Pumas are looking for a new manager. Rafa Puente Jr. out after a 2-0 loss to Pachuca on Sunday. Unam with one win in their last nine games, six losses in their last seven. Pumas 16th in the table right now, less than a year, of course, after appearing in the CONCACAF Champions League final. Puente on his away out was met with a beer shower from the Pumas fans. Here's some of his final words as Pumas manager. Yo nunca me he atrevido a decir que que se toca fondo porque nunca sabes si puedes ir más abajo. Cuando tú puedes decir que tocaste fondo es una vez que ya subiste un peldaño. Este es un hecho que puedes ir más abajo. Entonces, en este momento hablar de se toca fondo sería irresponsable porque puedes ir más abajo. Entonces, habría que revertir la situación para entonces decir, mira, hace una semana tocamos fondo. Rafa Puente says Pumas has not hit rock bottom. Uh, and then a few hours later, he was dismissed. Are you giving him a get lost or I guess a get further lost? No. He ended up being right. You could <laughs> hit rock bottom even more. He was fired. And just a few hours ago, the sporting mm -hmm. director and president both resigned. So, yes, you can go further rock bottom. Listen, this is, for those of you who don't know, his father works with us on ESPN yeah. Deportes. is a colleague of ours. I actually had one of the most uncomfortable moments this morning. I had to do digital segments with his father, and one of the topics was Rafa Puente del Rio wow. out of Pumas. <laughs> like, how do you sit there and tell the father, like, this has been long coming? I tell you, they're, <laughs> they're, they're cutthroat at Deportes, huh? They make the father talk wow. about the son's like, firing. Like, how do, you, son. <laughs> how do you sit there and say, how can you have a coach that in 12 games, that in 12 games, listen to this, listen to this stat, in 12 games, 
You mm. played six games where you had six red cards. Almost 200 minutes where you were a man down. That is on the coach. You won once in the last eight games. That is on the coach. Ultimately, the responsible party here is the coach. However bad the roster, and it is bad. However bad the organization, and it, it is bad. This is on the coach. But we're also trying to pape over cracks. Because when it comes down to Pumas, Pumas has not been successful for quite some time. The last time they actually made a final, okay, was I believe something like 11 years ago. They've been through 13 coaches in that time. They've got zero trophies. Zero trophies. Along with those zero trophies, the first team in modern history, again, to lose a CONCACAF Champions League final to a team that is not a Mexican team, and it happened to be a Major League Soccer team, Seattle Sounders. So they're also an embarrassment in Liga MX. They are who they are, and this isn't on Rafa Puente. Rafa Puente, Lilini, Mario Carrillo, anybody before him, it's the same thing. Ah, remember when we did our uh, preseason Liga MX predictions? We, we were forced to make a bold prediction. Yeah, what did you say, top four? I said Rafa Puente would get Pumas to top four. Yeah. Uh, he didn't even make it through this season. So <laughs> uh, always fade Sev, always, always uh, bet against Sev. Rafa Puente uh, out there. Maybe speaking of ESPN colleagues, Hugo Sanchez. Uh, ooh, ooh, that could be very show. interesting. Finally, Liga Mekis action returning to La Corregidora, Querétaro's home stadium just over a year removed from the fan brawl that led to unprecedented violence during an Atlas-Querétaro match. Uh, in this one, Querétaro and Juarez actually played to a 2-2 draw without major incidents. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, Herc. Ronaldinho, who of course uh, used to play for Querétaro, was there, so a, a fiesta football in Querétaro. Yeah, it only took $150,000 from the city to get him there. He enjoyed it for 45 minutes and left. So, uh, Liga Mekis, back at La Corregidora. The Major League Soccer, good, bad, and the ugly. St. Louis City SC, 3-0 winners over San Jose. Herc, they are now 4-0, the first expansion team ever, ever, ever to win their first four games. They are the last perfect team left in Major League Soccer. Shout out to our friend and former Football America's guest, Joao Klaus. He's got another goal, three on the season. Up next for St. Louis, it'll be Real Salt Lake. The good might have been Thiago Almada and his great goals, but you know what, Herc? We still can't show highlights, we so we gotta start making. We still gotta make decisions. Senor uh, Seth Bacon, now. pick up the phone. Bad LA Galaxy fan protest continues. No supporters groups in the stadium as the Galaxy tied 1-1 against Vancouver on Saturday. There was announced attendance of 23,112, the smallest for a home opener since 2013. Again, the fans. Mostly upset about Chris Klein, the unpopular Galaxy president who is still in charge despite sanctions by MLS. So that's the bad for the LA Galaxy, something we have discussed uh, many times who? on this here I never talk show. about them. No, you? Cl uh, listen, hashtag Klein it out was movement? packed. No. It was packed everywhere but the supporters section. If you think you can go on with that to supporters and the ambiance they set, you are wrong. Speaking of ambiance, let's get to Austin, because it's getting ugly down there. They have just had a terrible, terrible no good week. Of course, eliminated from the CONCACAF Champions League by uh, Violet of Haiti, which say, okay, hey, we can focus on the league, uh, except for they lost 2-0 to the Houston Dynamo on Saturday. Shout out Ben Olsen getting his first win in charge 
of the Dynamo. So Austin, a bad week. Yes, they won midweek, but still got eliminated in the CCL in historic fashion. An interesting quote from Austin's Derek uh, Etienne Jr. Sorry, uh, Atlanta's Derek Etienne Jr. Talking about the Austin upsets in CONCACAF Champions League and drawing a correlation. Quote, I don't see that in the FA Cup when a third tier team does that. I didn't, let me see, I didn't like that. And I definitely have a problem with that. Please put this out there. Any MLS person who is out there talking, I think that disrespect needs to stop. It's a cup tournament and anything can happen in cups. So the disrespect there, I didn't like. I don't see how it can be embarrassing when you go out there and beat a team three nothing. It showed just what can happen in a country like that. And hopefully it continues going. The women made the World Cup for the first time and now something like this. I think it shows a progression of Haitian soccer and I'm excited to see what happens next. Uh, those comments to Felipe Cardenas of The Athletic. All right, Herc, those sound a little bit like shots fired and they kind of sound like shots fired at, at this here show. I'm not well. going to say us because I wasn't here last week, but well, you guys were, were pretty critical of Austin, and I do believe you uh, used the word embarrassment. No? Yeah, I think everybody used the word embarrassment. Mm. Now, I would have used humiliation, but uh, embarrassment, Humiliation, embarrassment, we can go further. Now, Derek Etienne, Etienne, Etienne Jr., um, his heart's in the right place. Right. I'm not debating that. But what you're saying is not logical. If a team in the Premier League lost to a team in a third division in the FA Cup, and that third division team hadn't played close to 300 days because of violence in the country. And then they were forced to play in a neutral site and then still beat the Premier League team 3-0. Okay, that Premier League team, because they were arrogant, tried out a, a different lineup and lost like that. And then on the return leg, they had visa issues and couldn't field a proper 18 and only fielded 14 players in that roster. A lot of those players, last second USL signees, then yes, embarrassment would not only be one of the words used. A lot of different words would have been used and there would have been repercussions, my friend. People would have been fired. That wasn't the case here. Nobody is saying that the Haitian Football Federation and, and, and right. everything that's going on, they aren't making great strides. But this is an embarrassment right. for a team like Austin that you can't compare the roster level. You can't ca compare the investment of the two. That's why it's embarrassing. Not anything against Haiti. Yeah. What's up with what's up with like I feel like we talk about Austin's feelings all the time and like and like what, well, what this happened? wasn't on Austin's feelings. I know, I know, I know. This is this is a Haitian international thinking, I think, truly and, and genuinely thinking. Comes from a good place. That the yes. criticisms were, were a disrespect to Haitian and football. And nobody's discrediting. By the way, we never discredited what Violet AC did on this show. The reality never. is, no, the MLS people, and if he's talking about us or he's talking about anybody else, they're talking about it from an MLS perspective. You're talking about what Austin didn't do, not, not what Violet accomplished. Um, this, this is really about Austin. And, and you, you cannot make the comparison, as, as you say here, between a League One team, which we know in some cases League One teams have are fully, I mean, they spend as much as MLS, if not more, fully professional. This was an amateur team, Herc. This was an amateur team that a professional team couldn't get past. On a and neutral by the way, site. I know he talks about, I know he says it's a cup, and he's not, he's not technically wrong calling it a cup. This wasn't 90 minutes. This was 180 minutes you had to sort out to beat an amateur team. I'm sorry. Whether the team is from Haiti or Mars, it doesn't matter. That's an embarrassment. That's a humiliation for Austin FC. Uh, no and other way. And elsewhere, to... there would have been repercussions. There's a big yeah. difference here. 
Hey, uh, talk about bad Seb picks. Guess who I said was going to be the Supporter Shield winner this year? Don't say. You know what? It could be. Can I, for one second, Aust this is the beauty of Major League Soccer. Austin right now lost <laughs> Julio Cascante for some time with that groin injury. Yeah. Alex Ring, their captain, who's been playing as a center back. It, it, it'll get better. You can yep. make some moves in, in league moves and in the summer make another move. You can get better. <laughs> Relax. Austin's going to finish last and end up uh, laminating my, my, uh, my pick of the supporter shield uh, at the end of this Low season. Low blows. See, see how it goes. All-Star Game, uh, which of course is coming to D.C., Herc. We're so excited on July 19th at Audi Field. MLS is going to be playing against the Premier League leaders. Maybe by then they'll be the reigning Premier League champions. Arsenal, Herc, you excited? Uh, eh, whatever. Uh, are we going to bring Football Americas to D.C. for this? I feel Wait, like, listen what to a this. moment. You know what's funny? It's it's Wayne Rooney who let the cat out of the bag. They were like, you know, he said, hopefully we could welcome a big club like Manchester United, not somebody like Arsenal. Uh, he knew it was going to be Arsenal. Good stuff from uh, Wayne Rooney, who, of course, will be managing the MLS side. In case you missed it, Herc, your hometown, Las Vegas, going to host this summer's CONCACAF Nations League final. Semis, June 15th, the final June 18th, uh, uh -oh. another, are we going? Uh-oh, uh -oh. you smell that? Don't tell me Don Garber and MLS ain't cooking something up in Las Vegas. It's done. Back-to-back -back tournament finals for America's newest sports city. It's a wrap. Call me, Don. You got my number. All right, her quick parting shot before we get out of here, just down the street, literally from where I am, Ted Lasso and the uh, cast of the very popular show visiting the White House today to discuss the importance of mental health awareness. Herc, very cool and a good message, no doubt. You didn't get the invite? I did not get the invite. Did though. you get you a know, care package? Did, do, do you know who did get? Trent Krim was the journo who was asked, who was allowed to ask a question. Trent Krim got the, the credential, but they won't let me anywhere near the White House. Wow. Uh, for obvious That's reasons. not Ted Lasso's fault. <laughs> no, no, that is uh, not Ted Lasso's fault at all. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Football Americas. We got a lot coming up uh, on Thursday's show, which of course means we have games. So Mexico playing Suriname on Thursday. We will be live, not at our usual time, right after that game ends to react to that, plus to be looking ahead uh, to the USA against Granada on Friday. So we're going to kick off at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 o'clock Pacific uh, on Thursday. And of course, we will also be looking ahead to the opening weekend across the National Women's Soccer League. Speaking of the NWSL, Perk, show them your gear. Shout out to the Lords of Indoor. The Lords of Indoor. I played there, Hercules I didn't say Gomez. That. Shout out soccer. Shout out the long sleeves.